This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com go slash ferment. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, people of color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. Hello, and welcome to Fun About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Uh, somewhat weekly. Somewhat irregular <laughs> kind of quarantine, like whenever we are able to do these things and things. Sometimes delayed, sometimes in advanced stuff, but, but wherever you find good podcasts, you can find us, hopefully. Um, and uh, Heritage Radio Network, we're really proud to be part of this family. Uh, there's a lot of really great program here, and we sincerely, if you found us through Heritage Radio Network, we uh, implore you to check out the other shows, uh, not just uh, our fermentation shows. Speaking of fermentation, what have you been fermenting, Mary? Well, <clears throat> we have had an actually remarkably busy week the last, <laughs> the last <laughs> week true. or two. It kind of goes up and down. Uh, most of you know, if you've listened, we own a brewery in New York City, and we uh, are breweries are an essential businesses in New York. So we did not shut down. We had to pivot our business pretty much completely. Um, and we're still, we just hit phase two, but that doesn't really mean that much for us. So we are basically serving as a beer counter um, and uh, we are canning. So we actually bought a canning line, which is super exciting. Um, so that we are getting trained on our new canning line. We bought it from ABE, who also made our brew system and most of our fermenters, uh, fermenting tanks. And um we're getting trained on that in mid-July, so we're super excited about that. Until then, we're canning all of our beers uh, with Ironheart, who is a great mobile canner. They've really done a solid during this time, and we could not be more thankful for them. So anyway, it's been the busy couple weeks because we keep having to, you know, reevaluate and and figure a new way to do something or, or you know, figure, solve a problem or whatever. Uh, there's something new all the time, which is exciting and a little exhausting uh, but mostly mostly you know stimulating and and um we're super excited to just be able to be in business and and be making beer and and doing what we do so but at home we actually um so I was doing some ferments from uh the Shockey's book fermented vegetables so the latest one was a curried dilly bean which is pretty good that's not quite done yet but it's getting there and then um I had put I had this fermented um chili paste which unfortunately I, can't, I have to take a break from spicy food, but um, but man, it is tasting really good. So I'm just going to let it keep fermenting. Uh, we joined a CSA, so we joined the 607 CSA, and we're got we, we're getting a lot of uh, lettuce, which is awesome. But we we got some. Oh my god, why am I totally blinking? Napa cabbage. So I'm going to make some kimchi in the next day or two. Um, 
And uh, I don't know. I've got a lot of other fermenting. Uh, the sourdough is kind Let's of... pause on there for a second. When you make that kimchi, kind of what's your plan there? Is there a salt content? Are you thinking about volume or are you just going to throw some salt in No, man. I haven't made kimchi in so long I have to Google it. So I'm going to Google it or go to, you know, my favorite books. Uh, or or have... our favorite f- uh, Ferment About It episodes, perhaps. Oh, that's from, true. From I could also do that. You're right. You're totally right. So many resources. That's so right. Um, giving you guff because you because to- I, I did the same thing recently. And you're like, you just listen to our old episodes. It's fine. That's, that's true. Right. You're I mean, totally that's why right. we do this show. <laughs> our sourdough bread baking has been put on hold uh, for one, just because we got so busy. But also, man, we don't have air conditioning. It's freaking hot in New York City <laughs> right now, so there will be no bread baking. Um, <laughs> however, there's a lot of other things that we can do with sour disco- Not discard. Not We're gonna do some biscuit breaking baking. For that's the true. Yeah, damn sure. I did make a big batch of. Uh, before it got too hot, of um, sourdough discard brown butter chocolate chip cookies. And man, I think those are the best chocolate chip cookies like uh, we've ever made. And really, some of the best cookies I've ever had. Now again, here we are. It's hot. We could maybe like make some cookies in our toaster oven, but I'm not turning on our oven for very long. But there's a lot of... So we'll probably mostly be working on stovetop sourdough discards like uh, tortillas and all kinds of flatbreads that are easy and quick to make on the stovetop. Um, the other exciting thing is that uh, on the pro brewery side, Omega Yeast has come out with several new yeast strains, mm-hmm. including two new Kvike strains. So Kvike is probably my favorite like group of yeasts because uh, they're just super cool. You know, they're these like older, you know, farmhouse strains of yeast that have been around for a long time, and people have been using in Norway and and um, other European countries for a very long time. And they were basically kind of rediscovered by the modern brewing world. And in fact, by Lars um, and Garshal, yeah. And then, you know, brought to this country. And uh, Omega has 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 had three Kvikis, which we've u- been using at Fifth Hammer for a while. But they just added two more to the collection. So the first is a Lutra Kvike. And it's actually, a, it was one of the strains that was isolated from the Horn and, Horn and Doll Kvike blend. And it is a super clean fermenting uh, Kvike yeast. And we actually had, we hosted a Kvike um, event at a homebrewing Kvike event at Fifth Hammer during beer week. And this guy named, this guy named Tyler, who is the Kvike boss. Um, he is Kvike boss on That's Instagram. Yep. And uh, he had actually brought two Kvike beers, and one was a New Zealand Pilsner. And let me tell you, so obviously it was a faux Pilsner, but dude, it was so clean and so delicious. You would ne- If you had just tasted this, you would never know that it was not a lager. So we, uh, we're, we've ordered this Lutra, and we're going to... We're gonna uh, we're we, gonna uh, ferment a very clean, drinking, yeah. light, easy drinking <laughs> virtual lager with it. So we're super excited about that. Exactly, pseudo lager, and we've we've named it. Uh, Don't tell anybody. Why not? Because we're not there yet. Come on. Come on. Come on. I think it's fun. Okay, fine. Whatever. All right, it's called. I can't believe it's not lager. Yeah. Anyway, so after that, I can't believe it's not butter. Kind of thing. <laughs> so we're <laughs> we don't we don't really. I mean, we haven't used this yeast yet, but uh, you know, we're hoping that we can't believe it's not lager. Yeah. We're, hey, man, I put my faith in Omega. Those yeah, are, they're, they're those good folks are really good. Then the other one that they have uh, come out with is Espe Kvike. It's E S P E. And it is originating from the village of Grodas. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation in Norway. It has the unique profile of lychee, pear, and tropical fruit cup. And again, um, it is a 90 plus fermenter. Um, but you could do it lower. But why? Why would you do it lower? 90 degrees, baby. It's summer. So uh, anyway, we haven't tried that one out. But but I'm looking forward to trying that one as well. We're kind of ba- bantering around um, some beer ideas to do it with. Anyway, so SB is SB an animal? 
No. Right? I don't know. They don't have their animal. They don't Lutra, have an animal have for a, it hey, yet. But Lutra, Lutra, Lutra is a... Uh, Eurasian otter. Eurasian otter, which is kind of fun. Yep. For the, for the lager thing. Omega uh, did some new branding, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. We're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Anyway, Omega, I love I love those guys. We're gonna have them on. So once we once we um, <laughs> use this Lutra yeast and and have that beer in hand, we're gonna have those guys on to talk more about what they're doing out in Chicago and um, and what kind of strains that the new strains and what they're else what else they're looking for, looking out for. But anyway, on today we have another local New York City brewery brewer on the line. So we have Christopher Ganzi. He is the owner, chef, and brewer of Dale View Biscuits and Beer here in New York City. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, we understand that you're sitting in a sunroom in South Carolina right now, quarantined, before you come back here and be quarantined again. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I am. I'm swinging, swinging along and enjoying this conversation that we're having so far. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of a longer intro, but I don't know. We haven't, yeah. Hey, you know, we're we're just back into this thing, and, and thanks to everybody for sticking with us or, or rejoining us on this on this new journey in post pandemic times. Or no, still. What are you talking times. about? This pandemic is still going. That's why be afraid. Respect science. Yes. Wear your damn mask. Respect it. That's, that's why everything is still going on. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I'm staying in New York City where everybody in my immediate, I mean, I don't really go very many places. I mostly just go from our apartment to the brewery. But let me tell you, there's a pretty strong mask wearing around here. And I'm very proud of my fellow New Yorkers who are doing that. Yeah. It's been crazy for businesses. And Chris, you have a business here in New York. Uh, and uh, you, when Mary said your title, your owner, chef and brewer. Uh, so it's not just a brewery. It is a, it is a restaurant. And uh, how long have you been brewing? What is your journey up until to what you're doing? And first of all, what is Dale View Biscuits and Beer? And how'd we get here? That, this is wide open, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what is Dale View Biscuits and Beer? Dale View Biscuits and Beer is like a cafe slash brewery. I want to be a tap room right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we do gluten-free biscuits, gluten-free food all the way across. But one thing I could not compromise on is the, was the beer. So the beer has to be full of gluten and full of deliciousness. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what Delvey Biscuits and Beer is. Like, you know, a place for people who can't, it's hard to find, a place where people who can, it's hard for them to find um, gluten-free food and come in and enjoy themselves and not realize they're eating gluten-free, the gluten-free meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, how, ask me how long I've been brewing. My son is nine years old now, so I've been brewing for nine years. And it all, <laughs> yes. Are you, are you saying all, your son drove you to drink? I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I was drinking a little bit before that because you know I do have two more kids. <laughs> but it, it all started in the finger. It all started in the Finger Lakes um, on Father's Day nine years ago, where they gave me a, gave me a, um, a Mister Brew kit. Um, yeah. Up until that time, I didn't. I never. I didn't really drink beer. I was like really more whiskey, bourbon guy, and I was exploring the, the journeys of wine. So mm-hmm. they gave me this, this kit. We went home two days later. I cracked it open. I opened the can, followed directions, made the beer, tasted it. It's like ah, oh, it's okay. Made a couple more. They went out and purchased some beers to see what it should taste like. 
And then I said, this Mr. Beer, um, beer Mr. Brew Kit is too easy. Beer, making beer cannot be this easy. Not at all. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I did my research on the interwebs at the time. And, and I went and I started doing brewing a bag, um, all grain. I can't remember the, um, yeah. the brew store that was in, in Gowanus. Um, Brooklyn um, Brew Shop. Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn or no, shop. sorry. Uh, Brooklyn. It wasn't Brooklyn Brew Shop. Sorry, it was uh, uh, Brooklyn Homebrew. Yeah, Brooklyn Homebrew. Yeah. yeah. So I went over yeah, there. Yeah, Ben and Danielle, man. <laughs> I went over there. I purchased a pot. I purchased a bag. I purchased grain, and I came back home and made my first IPA. And, mm -hmm. and, it started, and it started from there, and I started doing more research. I started drinking a lot more beer, and I realized beer is a lot more complex than I thought. It wasn't just a light light yellow substance that people drink at a football game. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I started making beer, and my wife started getting aggravated with me because my, <laughs> <laughs> my wife has a gluten allergy, and she's like, Every time, every time she come in, she say like, it smells like a bread factor in here. So, <laughs> um, so from there, I brew beer. I started brewing beer for anytime we had a special occasion in the house. People drank the beer. People enjoyed the beer. And then one night, made beer for a fundraiser I did. People drank it, liked it. It's like, oh, you should open a brewery. I'm like, no, nah, that's not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, because I, I really, my vision was to go back to grad school and get my master's in music education, because I wanted to be an orchestra teacher in New York City, but that didn't happen, and that's probably won't happen with all the budget cuts. But that's a different story, right? For another yeah. day. Crazy. Um, <clears throat> so, brewing for my brewing for um, personal um, enjoyment. And then one year, my wife went to um, to the Netherlands for an education conference. And I'm like, you know what? What am I going to do with these kids? This is the weekend. I said, you know what? I'm putting them to work. We're going to make some biscuits. There you and go. We're going to invite people over. We put it on Facebook. We invited people over. They had biscuit sandwiches. People enjoyed it. I said, you know, we're going to do this again. And next time, I'm going to um, brew a beer. So I brewed a, um, a brown ale and biscuits and called it the next event, Biscuits and Beer. That's where the name came from. People came over. Since I couldn't sell beer, so... If you brought a growl or a cup, you can drink as much beer as you want. This is buying a biscuit. Uh, people ate the biscuits, enjoyed the biscuits, liked the beer. And then two months later, um, there's a brewery in the neighborhood, and they let me come over and take over their Friday night, take the kitchen over on Friday nights for the, for the, rain, the rain of that spring, that summer, and that fall. And now we're here with... Delhi Business as a storefront location, and we run a two-barrel brew house. Um, we thrown away lots of beer. We kept lots of beer. Um, the neighborhood is is, is 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 enjoying what we're doing so far, and the beer is getting better as it, as time goes goes comes, mm -hmm. and now we're in the pandemic and. We opened back up. <laughs> we opened back up four weeks ago um, with food and and some beer. And me being a smaller brewery, packaging wasn't an option, so it, I, I didn't think it was worth trying to do um, staying staying open for that first for the first couple months. 
because it would end up costing more money than it did um, at the end of the day. So I took time right. off, headed to South Carolina, put a plan in action on how I could be an efficient and effective when I did come back, which we, we which we have, which what's is going on now. And now we're selling beer, even now we're selling more beer than we did before. And, and just awesome. <laughs> as before. Yeah, people are ready. It's, it's been it's, it's been a wild journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long uh, how long have you been with your wife? Um, I've known my wife since 1999, and we, got, we, we we've been married for 13 years. For 13, cool. Yeah. Right. And uh, so you've been you've been dating her and eating gluten free for the most part when together. Uh, for 21 years? No, we didn't find out she was gluten free to after our first child. Um, she okay. always complained that her she was wasn't feeling well, always congested, you know, and and all, always hurting. And then she, we finally she finally went to a um, the doctor, and they said, "Oh, you're allergic to um, wheat and gluten." And that's when it started. That's when we started eating gluten free, at least in the house, and. Mm-hmm. And we had the issue of like every time you go to a restaurant, even in the city, the gluten-free options were very nil to none, or there was a huge risk of cross contamination. So we knew that we 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 both enjoyed cooking. So we just like you know, we thought about the places we like we enjoyed eating, we thought about recipes we enjoyed, and we just converted it to gluten-free a, a gluten-free um, recipe. And and that's how that came about. The business came about because she went out of town, and also too, I didn't tell that story. My one of my kids had a um, a class party, and they need, and every parent was supposed to bring something. So I made biscuits out of the blue. Um, I called my um, my grandmother, asked for her recipe, and that's where it started. You know, she gave it to me. And what she gave me did not turn out how her business came out because. <laughs> <laughs> that it wasn't exact measurements. It was based off of her hand and her feel. So yep. once I got the feel right, this is did yep. better. Cool. And then did you? And then is that kind of so you were that was with regular flour, not gluten free, when you first started making biscuits? The first, the first batch of biscuits was with regular flour, and yep. then with my wife, since my wife was out of town, also, so when she came back, I couldn't give her gluten glutinous biscuits. Right. So we, so I started experiment, experimenting with different gluten-free flours, and each flour is made is different. Even if it says it's one for one, a cup for a cup, each one is not the same, and and they're not all meant for baking, frying, or anything. You have to find that particular one for whatever you want to do. Like the the flour I use, I would not use to make a cake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Ever, I don't think I've ever dealt with gluten-free flour at all. But I'm I'm not the biggest baker. I think Mary can speak more to to kind of think and how to relate. Um, was it challenging to deal with uh, hydration and measurements? Uh, you know, you said it's not one to one exactly, and you said there are different gluten-free flours to deal with. And 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 also, you're in South Carolina. Does moisture in the air and the humidity deal with or change? Uh, you know, do you, do you have to cook differently in August in New York than? The heat, yes, the heat does, um, the humidity does make a big difference. In, um, 
in the baking, especially when I'm doing the biscuits. But also, too, I found using the buttermilk I use in the city that I get from a, um, a farm that's not less than, less than 100 miles away is different. And even though it's a full fat buttermilk, it's also different than the full fat buttermilk I got here from a local farm. So it's like I have to use more or sometimes I use a little bit more buttermilk to get the same reaction with the baking soda and the baking powder and or a little bit less. Um, the biggest difference is baking time. With, with, the, um, with the temperature and the humidity change. Here, the biscuits bakes a lot, because uh, I baked some a couple days ago, the biscuits bake a lot faster here, and and they rise a lot more. Uh, it could be it could be whatever um, yeast or bacteria that's in the air, natural yeast or bacteria that's in the air that's causing that, but they rise a lot better here than they do in the city. Hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting. What, can you, do you want, are can you talk a little bit about what flours that you've used or do you have tips and tricks or recommendations for people that are interested in, you know, exploring some gluten-free options? Um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to bake with flour, don't use a flour that has chickpea in it. Cause you're going to get that, um, that pea, that, that, that nutty, um, the nutty flavor when you cook. Um, but my favorite flour to use yep. for baking biscuits is is, is the brand Cup for Cup. Um, if I'm yes, for if cup. I'm making a cake or making brownies and you add flour to it, I would use um, Arnold's one to one. Like I play with so many <laughs> and. Yeah. Like I, I use a gabonzo bean with a, a rice mixture if I'm going to fry chicken. Cool. Or make a roux. That's not sounding good to me right now. Ooh, I'm looking at this. <laughs> so I just, I have a computer in front of me. So I'm looking at cup for cu- cup. And this is pretty cool because they have mixes. So if people, it seems like if people want to explore, you know, the kind of the world of gluten free, these are, this is yeah. a good way to do it because they actually have like a fried chicken mix. They have yellow cake mix. They have a pizza crust mix, pie crust mix. That seems like a cool way to get into, you know, playing around with gluten-free that's, like, not as risky, you know, or not, you know, kind of an easier way to, like, get used to it and get a good feeling for it. Yeah, yeah, much much lower cost of entry, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't use any of that stuff for I, – I pretty much make everything myself. Like, yeah. My yeah. And if I do make a pie, my wife requires me to make a pie. Yeah. Because I'm the baker. I'm more of the baker, and she's more of the cook. Yep. In, inside the actual house. And she's like, if it, I'll just, I'll just make my own pie crust. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a really quick break. Thanks for listening for a minute about it. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Square. You might know Square from their little white card readers, but Square has a lot more tools that can help businesses, especially now that they're having to figure out how to safely reopen and make things work in this new normal. So many are stepping up to the challenge, like Fifth Hammer Brewing in Long Island City. To adapt, Fifth Hammer's co-owner, Mary Izette, created a Square online store so customers could browse available beers, build an order, and safely pick up cans from the tap room. I was able to set up our online store within 24 hours of moving to a to-go model. The Square online store allowed Fifth Hammer to keep beer production going, serve their local customers, and retain employees. 
It's also very easy to train your staff on. They will be able to receive, fulfill, and provide your customers with a contactless pickup in no time. If you're a business owner, Square wants you to know it has tools that can help you shift your business, like Fifth Hammer is doing. No matter if you're brewing beer, baking bread, or mixing to-go cocktails, you can start taking online orders in minutes with pickup and delivery. And if you're selling in person, Square can help you accept contactless payments. All these tools work together and they're all in one place. You just need a Square account to get started. See all the ways Square can help your business right now by visiting square.com slash go slash ferment. Welcome back to Ferment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're sitting here with uh, with Christopher Gansey. He's on a sun. He's in his sunroom uh, in South Carolina, self quarantined. He's going to come back to New York very soon. Uh, right back to business. What what does it look like for you when you come back to New York? You you guys have been open for one month out of the pandemic uh, and and moving a lot more beer and and, uh, and a lot of biscuits right now. Um, what does the immediate future look? Like, I mean, we're living in a lot of unknowns, so and it's a weird question because nobody knows, right? You know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I, I'd say answer, asked and answered. <laughs> you, you know what's crazy? I'm thinking about not not on the brewery side, but I'm thinking about expanding the restaurant portion, the kitchen, the kitchen portion. Yep. For like wholesaling, and this more a little more square footage. Cool. Because in to get a legit yeah. commercial kitchen. So I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking about expansion. What better time than never than now to start looking for a bigger place uh, for with sure. more square footage. For sure. And, you know, it's a blessing I have the farm brewery license so I can carry that license with me for several more places. Um, so we're looking for, I'm looking for a bigger location with a, with a commercial-sized kitchen in the city, especially Brooklyn and hopefully in my neighborhood. Um because I'm able to produce enough beer for myself, and and I'm also we're also in the works with on top of expansion in Pelzer, South Carolina. We're looking at a historic building where my wife's mother worked 20, 25 years ago is in the mill town uh, of purchasing this building and wow. possibly doing a five barrel system here with biscuits and beer. In, in South Carolina. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Cool. That sounds awesome, especially since the uh, the uh, the biscuits fluff yes. more down there. You said, <laughs> or they rise. They more. rise. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, That's I got I got to say that makes sense because I think a lot of places, you know, a lot of more places offer gluten free options, but I can imagine that not all chefs at those places, you know, really want to mess with making a gluten free product in their own kitchen. So that would actually make a lot of sense to me. Yes. Also on the brewery side, you're doing two. You're a two barrel system here in, in the city. Yes, I'm a two barrel system. Two barrels, and you're in the basement of your of your establishment. Yes, basement brewing at its best. Or that's great. Trying to be at yeah. Best. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I come from that. Uh, you know, I was brewing at five weight gastro brewery, two barrels at a time. Um, what is your What does your cold room look like, and what does chilling uh, beer or temperature control look like for you at your? Well, most of all, everything is pretty much lagers. I mean, I mean, not lagers, sorry, our ales. ales so, yep. so we can get it, um, we can get it coming out of the um, boil, out of the boil keller. We can get it down to around um, 66 degrees. And since sure. we're in the basement, the temperature doesn't really pass 72. Mm-hmm. So we have pretty much control there. 
we just recently purchased a glycol system so we can start cold crashing but and have been you know um pushing the um the fermenters into the walk-in to cold crash yep <laughs> i know it well yes. <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, yep. It's but yeah, that's that's what, that's what we'll be doing there. Then we pull to the bright tank, carbonate, transfer to cakes. And oh, you got a bright tank. Yeah, fancy, I, fancy you. I have two bright tanks. I, I, I got um, <laughs> I got a, I got the two barrel system came from FCC Brewing um, right outside of Utica, and they had two bright okay. with it, and I couldn't pass it up. So cool, man. That's great. Yeah, I was a little, yeah, I was a little underfunded on my on my thing. But uh, when you when you roll it out, do you do you have a do you have three wheels or four? Just curious. Three wheels of three wheels, or four? Yeah, your 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 fermenters aren't casters, oh. right? You're rolling things over to crash. There are four wheels. Lucky, see, that's nice. <laughs> that 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 three thing, the triangle, like just the stability is crazy. But anyway, uh, that was rough. Well, <laughs> like we use bubble barrels. Um, bubble, I don't know if you heard bubble barrels. Um, they're fermenters. What have you? What were you brewing before uh, pandemic? And what, like, what are you guys pouring right now down there? Right now, we have a of the IPA called Slamming Cadillac Doors, which is about to kick. <laughs> This, it's going to probably be more like a kick this weekend. It was downtown last um, keg anyway. Yep. Um, we have a pill we just put out last Thursday called Palm My Hand. And we was pouring a Trappist style beer called Trap House. Um, we got plenty of that. We have plenty of that left. Um, we have two wheat beers. One is Can I Get a Weakness? That's about to kick hopefully this weekend. And then uh, uh, um, another we'll read there called Viola's Angels, and Viola's my grandma's name, so angels are, are her daughters. Cool. Did you Do you have a brewer working right now for you? Yes, I do. Have, yes, I do. Okay. So he's going to be he's gonna be a little surprised on Monday when he's by himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere. You're doing it. Yep. Um, but he said, this is what he said he wanted to do, so this is his time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I recently saw that uh, that Bitter and Esters has put out a, a recipe uh, that that you're working on, uh, and I, I want you to introduce it and and what it kind of what it goes towards. Uh, okay, the, the name of the beer is My Skin Is Black, and that verse comes from Anina Simone's song for Call for for Women. Mm-hmm. Um, so we brewed this beer way before. The pandemic, this, this, the idea for this beer came way before the pandemic and way before the uprising that's been happening over the past several weeks. Sure. Um, me and Chris Ennis sat down and talked about how could we help diversify beer mm-hmm. from a um, from a selfish standpoint, as always, and also as a um, outreach standpoint. Um, we had several meetings. And then we came up and was like, you know what? Why don't we develop an internship? Um, so when the pandemic hit, it actually gave us a lot more time to sit down and talk about what the um, internship was supposed to should look like. Um, so right now it's a four week um, experience for people of color, you know, people of color, women, any any group that's left out of traditional craft we're seeing. 
Sure. Uh, bringing them in, taking through a four week experience, a paid internship where they can see the brewing, the, um, the back of house, brewing side, um, packaging side, front of house, the marketing aspect, and even as well as the administrative side of it. Because we realize it comes to exposure. Like if you're not, you've never been exposed to it, you never know there's a possibility. Exactly. So we decided, we originally planned on May 8th, we was going to come and do the collaboration um, brew. We are going to invite all people of color from all the breweries in the city to come by, hang out. We are going to do a cookout. But as you know, May, we were shut down. Yeah. So there was, yeah, yeah. There, yep. there was no brewing happening. Um, so, and we are going to take, so we are going to take the money that we raised from this beer. Let me back up a little bit because I'm moving ahead. So we're going to brew this beer. We had a plan to do a find several different chefs to do pairings along with the beer and, and do it as a ticket and sell it as a ticketing event to mm-hmm. raise money to help fund this internship. And we want to have a proof of concept before we actually wrote it out to the, a wider audience. But with the pandemic happening, that pushed us back, and and we were lucky enough that the um, the Brewers, New York City Brewers Guild brought us in and to help us out with a place where we could put the money and and rolling and some additional support on parts of the internship that we're not as strong at on. Mm-hmm. So I, I brewed a um a strong ale. And it's going to be bottled. This, 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 my skin is black. So it's going to be bottled, um, carbonated. And it will, should be ready in the next four weeks. Because you should, I was supposed to be bottling this week, but since I'm in South Carolina, I have to hold off. Sure. Because I, um, it, cause, like you said, quarantining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so. That's great. So what Chris, and, what myself and Chris Ennis decided to do is going to do, we're going to sell however many bottles we have, you know, make um, um, bottling and glassware and do a virtual tasting within the next four or five weeks. We haven't put a date, we haven't certified a date, but that's where my skin is black came from in for funding, help help funding this internship. Cool. I think that's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's one of the, you know, one of the issues is that even breaking into the beer industry um, is challenging. It's it's really, it's a lot of networking and connections and kind of, you know, I think everybody, um, you know, just kind of, they need to hire somebody. They kind of go with the lowest hanging fruit at some times. That's probably not the right term, but, you know, it's easier to, um, to kind of pull from within the existing industry than to really make an effort and reach out yes. to outside the industry and, and right. really, you know, and sometimes that means, you know, training somebody yes. or, you know, or, or going or really going somewhere. Cause we've been talking about this at fifth hammer A as lot. well. Right. Um, and actually I just went over, so we live in South Williamsburg and I just went over to, uh, Randolph Flint Whistler was there and Flint and I had a mask on, socially distanced chat, and actually this came up. So, um, so I'm super excited that you guys are doing this. And anything that we can do to support you guys, we are more than happy to do so. Absolutely. Um, but I think, yeah, that's that's the thing is that we need to get 
you know, we need to not be such a, even though I think a lot of people want to be more open and, and inclusive and welcoming, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to do so. And, and, uh, people don't have the resource, you know, they don't know what, where to go or, or, you know, there's no system in place to really have. So I think this is great in, in, you know, kind of making steps towards making, you know, having more, making the brewing industry more, more inclusive. The issues are large. Uh, they include, yeah. you know, a lot of socioeconomic issues, but uh, that, uh, but not having a face and that's, I mean, I guess the socioeconomic issues are why there's a lot, not a very diverse uh, platform of brewers or people in the industry. Yeah, and and but then but that kind of unfolds on itself insofar as like okay if you don't see people like you like it doesn't even seem like a welcome industry necessarily to yeah. be or even inviting yeah. if 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 you don't if yeah. so so tackling those ch- challenges are, is really important and things like this like this uh, this internship and funding of this internship uh, are great steps to helping that happen and yeah. diversify the market and you so, know and coming into the world of craft beer. Like I had a is a different experience for me because I grew up as a class. I, I played the bass all through my young years, and then I was classically always in orchestras and orchestra orchestras, especially in the south, were never diverse. So it was easy. It was easy for me to be able to transition into put myself into a situation that I don't see as many people that look like me in that situation. So, right. It was based off of being exposed to something different, something different altogether, which helped me make that transition to the the, the brew world in itself, in a sense. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, so, uh, do you find any? Let's go to the music thing for a second. Do you find any parallels of making music and in, in beer? Uh, you know, sometimes I. I see making beer like preparing for an audition for a major audition. Mm-hmm. In this many mm-hmm. days, practice is like crap. And then some days, like, oh. <laughs> 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 and then some days, oh, I'm hitting yep. everything. You know, I got it's flowing, it's beautiful, and then and occasionally you hit it just right when it comes that time to do it live. That you're like. Oh, I actually like this one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Not, the palm of my hand is actually my favorite beer right now that I've actually made since we've been brewing for the past year. Um, and my, my wife yeah. asks me this question every day. It's like, so do you like the beer? And she, I'm like, it's okay. She's like, it's okay. What do you mean it's okay? I'm like, it's not good yet. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's our job though as the brewer like i'm I'm the same way like there's very and same way with music too right did you like that solo did you like how do you think you played today like you know it's our job to be critical of ourselves and 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 just constant improvement is uh, a way of life so we also that's the you know you're probably harder on you're probably harder on your beer than all brewers pretty much or good brewers i think are are much harder on their beer than than the audience. I mean, Kuzme and I had, we just came out with a double IPA and Kuzme was kind of meh about it. And the rest of us are like, man, we love this beer. This is great. You nailed this. So I think, you know, that's the thing is you're, a, you're probably harder on your beer than you're definitely harder on your beer. Okay. than anybody else. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. But always striving to be better is the ultimate goal anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is that thing? Perfect practice makes perfect. 
Yeah. Yep. So wait, what was the beer that you said you're really um, digging right now? It's, it's a pale ale. It's, it's a late, a late hot okay. pale ale. There's no, there's no, no hot burn, like no hot residue. Um, but it's a pale ale that is like nice and refreshing. It's like only four point six percent, so I can I can drink like two or three and walk home and be fine. Yep. Awesome. I want to, we got to get, we haven't, we've been super busy, but I think we'll have, we should get down there. We'll have to make it, uh, to get down there. Come come in two weeks once I'm finished quarantining. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Well, we might have to go before. I don't want to miss this beer now that you're talking about it. That's right. Two barrels goes fast. Yep. And you guys are close enough to the park that you can have, you know, Maybe we'll come and get some biscuits and beer, and then we'll go have a little picnic in the park. That's something that we haven't been doing. We haven't been doing much leisurely stuff lately, so that'll be a nice excuse for us to to have some time. Also, uh, yeah, I've got some friends that live down there too, so it'd be cool to get to get, get to get together with them in a you know socially distanced, have a socially distanced um, get together. For everybody listening, where is there, and how do we find out more information about Dilvey well, Biscuits? Well, Dilvey Biscuits. Is- Biscuits and Beers um, located in Prospect Lepers Garden. Garden. Our address is 1170 Nostrand Avenue. Um, you can go to biscuitsandbeer.nyc to see our current food menu and also our current beers that we have on tap. Um, and you can also follow us at Biscuits and Beer on Instagram. Cool. And it's a, you guys are just so. If you guys are not familiar with Prospects Lefferts Garden, it's basically the south, kind of southeast corner of Prospect Park. So you guys are only a few yeah, blocks like from a, the park. We're like a 10-minute so walk a great, from the park. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a thing r- right now, at least. I think I think a lot of times, you know, we're uh, people are looking for places to kind of get out, but in a safe manner. And I think, you know, that the parks do offer that, especially – you know, I don't, I haven't been going to parks on weekends, but if you get a chance to, um, you know, to grab some food or a beverage and, and, you know, find kind of carve out a little place for you in the park, that's a really yeah. nice thing to do this summer. I mean, it always has been a nice thing, yes. but it's even more special. Fresh, I think Something about fresh air. Yep, for sure. What, what um, are right your hours now, right now? We're, we're open Thursday through Sunday from 12 to seven. And if you make a special request, I'll open up for somebody because normally I'm there every day anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, man, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and I can't wait to, for you to come back. I can wait to see you, and uh, you know, I can't wait to, to share some beard tricks and beer tricks. <laughs> <laughs> you have a. I can't wait to come over to, to see how your massive system works. Yeah, man. Yeah, I would love to have you over, and I know we spoke a little bit off, off uh, offline about uh, you know hopefully doing a collaboration soon. We'd love to do that, and uh, and. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to host you over there and, and figure out some stuff and maybe yeah. some from if we make something. I'd love to contribute proceeds to to the My Skin Is Black uh, uh, scholarship fund. Yeah, yep. That'd be super. Happy. Also, if for those of you um, that are homebrewing, it the My Skin Is Black is available from Bitter and Esters. That's bitterandesters.com. dot com. I think I'm pretty sure they do nationwide shipping. Um, and they yes, will be they donating 50, 15% of the proceeds of every sale of this recipe kit to the, um, the New York City Brewers Guild Farm Brewery Internship Program, which is what we've been talking about. Um, so that is available, you know, for everybody. They have a bunch of different options. They have extract kit, all grain kit, and one, 2.5, and five gallons. So I would grab it uh, while you can. 
Yes, do yes. it. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, we look forward to talking to you. Good, safe travels back. Um, Thanks for listening to Ferment About It. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on Ferment Thank About you It. Guys. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. Chris. Cheers. Take care. Ferment About It. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please, join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This program is powered by Simplecast.